Coming up, naked chicks, rubber dicks, and a domestic. That plus Satan in the news and whatever else we can dredge up and stick into your ears. Our season of The Witch continues with another grime-filled episode of Kiss the Goat. That's how that's how I do the theme song. That's really good. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you approve. I'm Cootie, and my name is X, and this is Kiss the Goat. Now, Cootie and I have been married for almost five years now, and there's very little we disagree on. He likes the Beatles, and I don't. I like the Who better. She likes mushrooms, and I think they're horrible and disgusting. (laughs) I like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And I like Star Trek the original series. And these are all pretty minor in the grand scheme of things, you see. Certainly not things we would ever get into a full-blown argument about. And we're not saying we're about to get into a full... Uh Uh-huh. We're not about to get into a full-blown argument over something as silly as a movie. But I do think this is the one that we have disagreed the most strongly about. I think so. There's no middle ground here, kids. You either love this movie or you hate it. And as you know, one of us loves this episode's movie, and one of us most certainly does not. So buckle in and hang tight as we discuss Rob Zombie's film from 2012, The Lords of Salem. Now, here's something you'll really like. Banana laser promo, take one. Hey guys, it's Wazell and Z here. Yeah, we're just uh, kicking back in the laser lounge right now, taking a break from uh, what we normally do to tell you all about our show, Banana Laser. Uh, We're just here for sick fucks like ourselves that love horror movies and just, yeah, fuck. The Banana Laser podcast, it's... Uh, every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's for sick fucks like ourselves. <laughs> so if you like salty commentary. <laughs> and skewed views. Foul mouth skewed views. And look, uh, we're terrible at this. I'm fucked up too. I, I, we I, are I, terrible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they all over. All right, forget it, fuck it. Uh, you can find Banana Laser at Horophilia.com. Check us out on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Banana Laser Show. Look us up on YouTube, Banana Lasers, everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look us up so you can join us. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, 
that you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. like a satanic boomerang and it's time to catch y'all up on current events it's time for satan in the news awesome the seventh day adventist church wants its members to know that satan is out to get them specifically them everyone else can go to hell in a sermon given october 11th church leader ted N.C. What's the N.C. for? North Carolina? Ted N.C. Wilson said that Satan was desperately working to destroy the Adventist church. He has called the church to a time of reformation and revival. Here are some of the ways he claims Satan is trying to wipe out the Adventist church. Wilson says to avoid charismatic and Pentecostal music and worship methods because they focus on church members instead of true worship of God. Satan also distracts Christians with secular activities such as organized sports, the Internet, the media, finances, and materialism. (laughs) The odds of Wilson hearing this podcast are amazingly slim. Oh, what a shame. He also says the Adventist church is to avoid ecumenism. In other words, avoid other churches and religions, because why would anyone want to understand each other? Wow. (laughs) Quote from Wilson. He says, don't succumb to the temptation to be so cozy with other religious organizations that you fall into the devil's trap of neutralizing your own effectiveness through unbiblical ecumenical puns. So here's what I'm hearing. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, stay inside where it's nice and quiet. Don't watch television. Don't listen to the radio. Don't check your email. (laughs) In other words, Jesus is coming. Hide. (laughs) 
Now, across the world, our final item isn't Satan-related, but it does have a lot to do with goats. In the southeastern Turkish village of Diyarbakir, a seven-year-old boy was killed when a goat that was meant to be sacrificed escaped its captors and leapt from the top of an apartment building, landing on the child six floors below. According to the UK newspaper, The Metro, the boy's father didn't have anywhere else to keep the goat, so he had it up on the roof. The goat was to be slaughtered for the Muslim feast of Eid el Hadha. No, Adha. However you say that. Eid al Adha. Eid el Adha. There you go. X has it. Anyway, this celebrates and commemorates the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his son when God commanded him to. A willingness God repaid by providing a lamb to slaughter instead. So, not a lamb, but a goat. And the goat got away and killed the son and itself. I don't even know how to interpret this. I don't think we should try. Yeah. I think we should take a break. (laughs) Yeah. When we come back, we'll start talking about tonight's movie, The Lords of Salem. I'm just having this weird fucking flashback of learning about what the scapegoat meant in Sunday school. And I am freaked out by the fact that this goat jumped to its death and killed a child along with it. Seven-year-old child. I mean, that's like, fuck you, God of Abraham. That's like seriously weird shit. Okay, I'm sorry. We're going to break now. It's a big fuck you. It is. (laughs) What do you do with that? God. Okay. Uh, We'll be right back. Hi. I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a bat. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kick-Ass. You can find us on our main page, which is dractionkickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. 
and Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's evil episodes, of course. That's right. So set your DVR to channel 666 and let evil episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil episodes is a podcast podcasting network. so far because we're about to get into it um as soon as i posted on our facebook group page which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat that we were covering the lords of salem on this episode the comments immediately went nuts so i knew that this episode was going to be hot because of its hotness we are taking a little different tack for this show. And a terrible sort of nod to history, we are going to put the Lords of Salem on trial. I have four points about the movie that I would like to make. I will in turn counter those points with points of my own, which I will call counterpoints. Creative. Thank you. <laughs> I will then be given the opportunity for a rebuttal. And to answer the burning question... I will be defending the Lords of Salem. And I will be persecuting the Lords of Salem. Prosecuting. Whatever. Once this show goes live, exclusively on the Horrorophilia Network, we are going to post a poll on our Facebook group. Just a simple question. Who won the Lords of Salem debate? You can vote for me, which would be the right thing to do, or for X, which would be the wrong thing to do. Unless you agree with me. In which case, by all means, give me that vote. This doesn't have anything to do with how you feel about us personally. It just has to do with who you think won the debate on this episode. So to start things off, let's do something we never do. I'm going to read the IMDb synopsis of this movie instead of just launching into a liquor-fueled, ranting description of the movie. Now, don't think I'm not liquor-fueled right now, because I am. Well, I'm not. <laughs> but we're just going to go ahead and read this straight from IMDb. Ahem. Ahem. Heidi, a radio DJ, is sent a box containing a record, a, quote, gift from the Lords. Now, the sounds within the grooves trigger flashbacks of her town's violent past. Is Heidi going mad, or are the Lords back to take revenge on Salem, Massachusetts? That's not bad. Oh, I mean, that's a fairly vague overview, but it's enough for this show. Yeah, it'll work. So, we're already sworn in. Hail Satan. Right, hail Satan. So, let's get this court in session. Cootie, you have the floor. <laughs> All right. So, the first point that I want to make is the good versus evil tack in this movie is just ridiculously weak. Now, the witches are nasty and vulgar. Okay, so the church is also portrayed as being nasty and vulgar. Satan is monstrous and weird. Heidi is the only good and beautiful 
albeit fractured, thing in the movie. And for a dreadlocked, tattooed, ex-junkie, Heidi comes across as, as awfully reserved and wholesome, which just strikes me as weird. And then there is her co-worker, slash friend, slash love interest. What's his name? Was Whitey. It? Fucking Whitey. And he is mealy-mouthed and passive-aggressive. <laughs> and then there is the annoying author character. who. Uh, yes. Okay, he was bludgeoned to death by the witchy sisters before he really got interesting. There's no real distinct line there. There's just gray, and that's all. And, and I mean, that's all well and good, but creating a story about good versus evil and then filling it full of gray characters just makes it weak and confusing. I mean, there's no hero's journey here. It's just, oh, look at this nasty thing that happened to these people that weren't all that great themselves to begin with. All right. I'm sorry. Have you finished with your... Yes, please okay. go ahead. Because I was ready to jump, and I didn't want to if you were, ready, if you were like, going to keep rolling. Okay, I think that's partially what makes this film so divisive is that there is no real good versus evil battle, and that confuses people. The only person really trying to save Heidi is Whitey, and he's too weak to do anything to really help her, and she's got him pretty much friend-zoned anyway. Remember when she makes him sleep on the couch? And they just had pancakes. She made him pancakes, and she makes him sleep on the couch. That's not cool. Now, this aspect of the movie has to do with the sins of the fathers being visited upon the children. A Hawthorne destroyed Margaret Morgan's coven. Heidi is a descendant of the Hawthorns. She cursed her great-great-whatever-the-fuck-grandfather and the entire village of Salem. Now is the time for payment. Heidi is a pawn. She is cursed in every way possible. There's nothing she can do but play her part. And there's a strong uh, predetermination thread in this story, which is almost hyper-Calvinistic, but every what it says is that every step we take is preordained, already set in stone, and necessary for a much grander plan, that everyone is a thread in a tapestry that you will never see completed. Which irritates the fuck out of me. Why? That's life! That's how shit is! No, that is not. Fuck you. There is no party <laughs> that is willing to accept that our destiny is predetermined and we have absolutely no choice in it. Right, but think about this. Think about the people in your lives in your in your lives possibly okay think about the people in your lives that you have touched and made an impact on and you had no idea about it until fucking years later think about our friend Lori that you were the you know you were in her wedding and that she disappeared for fuck off 20 years and then she came back hi remember me you were really important to me you made a huge difference in my life you made an impact you know <laughs> and now she's like and she's a huge part of our lives now and we love her Oh, yeah. Shit like that happens. It's that tapestry. You don't know what kind of effect you have on other people until much later on. I don't think that equals predestination. I think that's the fucking definition of predestination. <laughs> what are you talking about? What is predestination to you? 
Predestination to me is an outcome, an ending, a, a be-all, end-all that is already decided, already set. It's yeah. concrete, and you can't change it no matter what the fuck you do. Thank you. Welcome to the Lords of Salem. <laughs> that is exactly what this movie is about. When it irritates the piss out of me. Okay, and that's fair. I can't change that. I'm just saying that's what it is. That's like my third point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's 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 jump back. Let's get to your second point. I'm just saying all these things interlace like threads in a tapestry that you won't see the big picture of until we're done with the podcast. Tapestry or a big fucking creepy spider's web. It's Weave World. How do you like that? Huh? Ah, very nice. Bringing in the spider trying to freak me out. It won't work. <laughs> all right, so point two. That drives me crazy about this mo- this movie, if I can say movie. movie. This Morgan. Morgan movie. This movie. Morgan. Thick movie. <laughs> the infant. The good god damn. Take it slow. We can make it. We can do this. The emphasis on and the use of that fucking song. It confuses and it irritates me. Okay. So wait, wait. So I'm guessing, if I understand this correct, this song is how the curse is delivered. Yes. Right? Yes. It's played on air, and the women of Salem are entranced slash hypnotized. Yes. Okay. How the fuck is it printed and delivered to Heidi? Is there actually a band named Lords of Salem that made it? And why do they only have the one repetitive instrumental song? All right, look, taking off my glasses, I am folding the earpieces over on themselves methodically and slowly and patiently. I am placing them on my laptop so that I can attempt to explain to you my interpretation of this particular aspect of the script. And I ask you, my beloved, (laughs) whom I married and whom I adore, what are you doing that you should never do in a movie like this. Okay, I know. I know. I know. And I've thought about this several times because I have watched this movie drunk and I have watched it sober. And this is like what, the fifth or sixth time? I it's think like the sixth time we've watched this. Every I've I've watched this every time. It's been with you. Including in the theater. Fuck yes. Went to see this in the theater, which yep. we don't do a whole lot because we're poor. <laughs> we are. Oh my God, we're destitute. But we totally did this. Went to see this in the theater, and I know that I am trying to interject logic. You're looking for logic. I am looking for logic. It is not here. But it pisses me off. Stop looking for things that are not here. You absolutely accept things that are anti-logic in every goddamned Fulci film that we watch. Good stories. This is not a good story. This is a fantastic story. Are you... What? Fulci was a fucking... Yes. Rob Zombie, I hate to burst your bubble. Sardano Darchetti was like an amazing story writer? No! This is not true at all. <laughs> really? I mean, it's just, it's, 
it's confusing to me and it leaves big fucking holes in the story that I just can't accept it. I mean, did okay, if there was a band called Lords of Salem. Mm-hmm. Did they really put on a concert the same night as the birth of the Cthulhu Deadly? Oh my god! The Lords are the Coven! The Coven are the Lords! Then explain that closing bit in the movie where the newscast is going on and talking about how this mass suicide They happened. were in the same place! He doesn't say they were in different places! It's a... <laughs> <laughs> the, the newscaster does say the night of the Lords of the Salem concert, like it really happened. Do you think if it didn't fucking happen, they wouldn't notice? They wouldn't it have- absolutely no, it absolutely happened. But what I think is nobody showed up for this. I think that once the music was played over the radio, nobody fucking cared unless you were a descendant of the original Salem villagers that the curse was laid on. Other than that, you didn't fucking hear it. It went over your head or just whatever. You didn't pay any attention to it. But all the women who heard that music over the radio and who stopped and turned around and stared at their radio just stopped what they were doing. And that is a fucking terrifying sequence where Barbara Crampton just stands there and stares and she's she's underlit and you can just see the fucking huge shadows under her eyes, and you know bad shit's going on in that brain of hers. They are the only ones who showed up for the Lord's concert. It's kind of like when I was in a band, and we advertised, and nobody showed up except the bartender and his girlfriend, and they were fucking during our set in the bathroom. Okay. They probably had a lot more fun than we did, (laughs) you know, because we couldn't get mixed right, but at the same point, that's what I think. I think once that it's it's like ah help me it's like the fucking signal in halloween 3 if you're not wearing the mask it's not gonna burn your brain out and make bugs come out of your mouth okay okay i can buy that it's weak but i can buy that oh my god it is not that is the strongest fucking thing in my entire defense okay (laughs) okay 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 fine rebut now You, you rebuttal me but me. Well, I was ready to move on to my third point. Okay, fine. Fuck it. No, bu- <laughs> no buttle for me. No pegging. Go ahead. No butt for you. No butt for me. <laughs> Rebuttal. It's. I accept what you're saying. Okay, that's that's not something I had thought of. You're right. Okay. Week. So number three. We had actually talked about this earlier today, and we disagreed on it. And we had talked about rewatching this scene, and we actually didn't. So maybe we'll just hash this out here and now. We'll just, yeah, just stop it. My third point is the whole fate versus destiny bit in this story, which is brought up by the reading done by Patricia Quinn's character, one of the the witchy sisters. Which those three are fucking amazing. Yeah, and let's just go ahead and give props. Patricia O'Quinn, Dee Wallace, and Judy Geeson as the reincarnated witches from Margaret Morgan's Coven. Absolutely fantastic. I never thought I would hear E.T.'s mom use the word cunt in my life. And when she did, I got to admit, got a little chubby. Um, it's kind of made me happy in really intimate ways. Okay, so wait a minute. Let's 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 diverge for a second now that you've brought up her and the word cunt. Because I have a question. What the fuck does cunting mean? 
can I go out hunting on a Saturday night if I feel fun? <laughs> or is this a derogatory adjective used because they have vaginas? Because if so, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> that. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I... <laughs> Jeez. I... <laughs> Okay. I think for most people, having a vagina is different than being a cunt. Just like having a penis is different from being a dick. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So I think when they say cunting, it's yeah, it's not like an an actual like action verb. See, that makes me sad. I, it does me too. I'm going to use it as an action verb from now on, actually. If you're an action verb, I would be like, yes! Me and my girls are going out cunting. We're going out cunting. That's fun. I'll be home tomorrow. <laughs> Fuck y'all. Yeah, we got tequila. <laughs> we got tequila. We're going cunting. Meh. Meh. Yeah, I don't think it's like that at all. I think it is a derogatory term um, referring to the daughters of Salem as cunts. So, yeah, that's kind of where I went with that. I like it. I, I love cunting. I love cunting as as a word. I also love Christing. I think that's a hilarious term because I don't know what it means. As far as I know, that means going around like turning water into wine. So everybody should be Christing as far as I go. I agree. <laughs> All right, so back. I'm sorry. Uh, where were we? I don't know. Second. Magenta's in this movie. That's all I care about. Trisha Quinn. She's lucky. We're lucky. I'm lucky. We're all lucky. Right. So, okay. The way that I understood this scene, when she's doing the reading, quote, unquote, and looking at Heidi's palm, she totally blows past the part where Heidi has a choice or has any kind of control in her own life. And she wants to look at Heidi's destiny, right? Am I right? Well, she blows over looking at Heidi's lifeline. And then she starts talking about the difference between destiny and fate. Okay, right. So she starts looking at destiny and fate. And it, the way that I felt after the scene ended was that they left us with the idea that Heidi had a choice. It was you either embrace the darkness, as as Patricia Quinn's character left it, um, you embrace the darkness, what did she say, which is the reason that you exist? The reason you exist, yes. Yes. Or you make your choice and go elsewhere. And I just want to know, when did Heidi actually get a fucking choice. I mean, her character was already broken. She was afraid and lonely and mistrusting and battling addiction. She was literally ripe for the picking. All they had to do was exert the tiniest amount of pressure Mm -hmm. and crumbled like a fucking used tissue. Mm -hmm. Heidi wasn't seduced. She didn't choose anything. She was manipulated and exploited and just followed along like a good little numb, frightened lemming. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. And I think that that, again, is one of the polarizing factors of this movie. Let's think about the influence of the 1970s 
on every Rob Zombie movie we've seen, with the possible exception of Halloween 2, which I still can't wrap my dick around because that was a piece of shit. Yeah, that was... Mm, I just can't make it happen. Halloween 2 just does not work for me. But we're looking at the 70s. Look at the 70s, the post-Vietnam era, um, the last days of Vietnam. We're looking at Easy Rider. We're in the very last five minutes. Spoiler alert, if you're fucking five, um, in the last five minutes of Easy Rider, the two main characters get blown away by sh- by rednecks with shotguns. Let's look at something even more lowbrow. One of my favorite movies, um, Crazy Mary, Dirty Larry. I'm sorry, I have that reversed. Strike that. Reverse it. Dirty uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Anyway, it's a big car chase, and it's a fantastic movie, and at the very end, fuck, they get hit by a goddamn train, and everybody dies. (laughs) Fucking downer. The 70s were full of downer endings where there's just no escape for the main characters, no matter how much you love them. Something horrible is going to happen. That is, that's Rob Zombie's fucking main influence is the 1970s. And I dig that, because you know me, I love the fucking 70s. That's the best decade ever for film as far as I go. So for me, this makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that she would have no control over her own actions. She is a pawn. There's nothing she can do about the plan that is laid out for her. She is already a member of the satanic jihad. She's going to go and blow herself up wherever she's told. Yeah, but, I mean, seriously, would we have not bought this more if she were, like, I don't know, like a librarian or a choir director or something? I mean, it's a silly plot point. Don't set us up to believe that the central protagonist has a choice, a fighting chance, and then proceed to show us that in actuality she she does not. I still say she never had a choice. I don't come away with that from that scene. What I come away from with that scene is there's fate and there's destiny. Your destiny has nothing to do with your fate. This is your fate. This is what you were meant to do, and you're going to do it, and no matter what else you want to do, uh, you're fucked, because this overrides. This takes precedence. Irritating. Love it. Okay, so let's talk about the ending of this movie. (laughs) All right. This fucking ending. Love it. I know you love it, and I don't. It drives me nuts. So, okay, so through the sacrifice of the women of Salem, Heidi gave birth to this Cthulhu devil baby and was resurrected as this anti-Mary character. And apparently her soul has just retreated somewhere to relive the only moments of her life that actually brought her joy, which was playing with her dog. So how do you see that? Why? What the fuck? Seriously. Is that how you see that? That is exactly how I see that. That is Okay. Okay. I want to jump back just a little bit, okay? Let's jump back to the first time that Heidi goes into the allegedly abandoned apartment number five, okay? Apartment number five is where she first meets any kind of satanic evil being. Now, I see apartment number five kind of like the demonic room of requirement, okay? (laughs) 
evil itself lives in that apartment. Which again, very 70s, very Sentinel, very Rosemary's Baby, and even the fucking wallpaper in the hallway just fucking echoes that. So in that apartment, whatever is required of evil, evil itself provides. So the girls, the, you know, the the fucking triumvirate of demonetry, if that's not a word, uh, push cracked out Heidi into that room and she, this is the second time she goes in there. They push her in there in a wheelchair and she ends up in this fucking beautiful performance hall and she's wearing corpse paint like a good doom metal rocker and it's a premonition of the things that are to come now the fact that she takes the tentacles of that weird little baby demon that's up that's up on the stage no no listen i have a point she the tentacles come out of the little midget dwarf thing with fucked up lobster hands and she grabs them and she shakes them, but that's her test. It's like if the tentacles had like gone up her nose or up her cooter or into her belly or something, she would have failed. But because she grabs those tentacles and fights back without any fear, that is her test. She passes that. And because she passes that test, she is the one who gets to carry out the curse. So again, it's not a choice. It's just a matter of will you pass this test? Because if you don't pass that test, obviously, they're just going to fucking kill you anyway. Because what the fuck do they care? They own property. Wow. And it doesn't matter who Heidi loves. I know she loves Whitey. It's obvious she loves Whitey. But she's too fucking withdrawn and broken to even do anything about that. So at that point, her fate becomes more important than her destiny because she is too weak and and withdrawn to act upon her destiny. Now, when they get to the music hall, which I know you want to talk about, when they get to the music hall for the Lord's show, mm-hmm. Whitey and the other DJ, Ken Faree, Herman, they're all out, they're both outside waiting for her, but once she goes in, they can't make it into the venue. It's fucking ladies' night, and they are not invited. Bullshit. No, not bullshit! Bullshit. Would you not have called the fucking cops? I would have. There's supposed to be this big public concert going on. Suddenly, the woman that I love fucking disappears after saying bye and looking really fucking desperate. I would have called the cops fucking immediately. You don't just stand around and go, oh, well, I guess there's not a concert. I'll go home now and wait till tomorrow. If I couldn't... Look, if it was... Okay, let's say this. Let's say you went to a fucking male strip show. Like, the fucking Chippendale dancers came in, and I want to see a guy dressed up as a sexy cop. Okay, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Go. Fucking go. I'm not going to be at the fucking entrance doors going, I don't know about this whole uh, erotic firefighter thing. No, fucking go have a good time. Yeah, but that's not what this was, though. This was a free concert. Their fucking radio program was giving away tickets to it. Right, and they had a radio personality there. Heidi showed up. It's not like they fucking messed up their PR, because she was certainly there. Bullshit. Ugh, you're incorrigible. Seriously, I think that my main 
bottom line beef with this movie is that it's a weak story loaded with over-the-top shocking imagery that revolves around one character that we're supposed to feel sorry for, but who really ends up just being pathetic and sad. And that frustrates me more than it appeals to me. That is why devil movies don't have Satan possessing weak, fallible, sinning people. Nobody cares if the 50-year-old homeless guy who used to beat his wife is possessed by Satan and spends the rest of his existence tortured and in agony. Nobody's surprised when the ex-junkie, tattooed, dreadlocked girl in Salem is tormented by witches and then gives birth to a squid. I mean, it's sad and predictable and boring. So he takes a weak story filled with weak characters and pumps it full of shocking imagery to try and keep us interested. Seriously, I wish that Zombie had just taken the Metallica route with this and just made one long concert and interwoven it with bits of the story. I think it would have made it far easier to swallow and potentially more entertaining. I mean, whoa, 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 used and disgusted. You would rather have watched through the never than the Lords of Salem. I would rather have watched Rob Zombie take his music and mix it up with bits of this story like that movie. Yes. (sighs) Okay. My turn. Because I need to express to you how I feel about the last 20 minutes or so of this movie. The end of Act 3. Because you know, the first time that we saw it together in the theater at Downtown West 8, you were pissed off and I was crying. Yep. I was... (laughs) I was a mess. I I was weeping because I was like, that is one of the most beautiful things... I've ever seen, and it still chokes me up, even like six or seven times watching this movie, it just fucking hits me. So here's here's how I see it. We got that final few minutes of Act 3. The Coven rises from the grave, the Coven is the Lord's, and they have their instruments with them. Margaret Morgan's playing that weird fucking fiddle with the really curved bow that looks like it's made out of bone. And everybody who shows up for the show, all the women, all the members of the Salem Historical Society, who are the descendants of the forefathers of the village of Salem, they're all there. The music starts. They start taking off their clothes. Now, then there's that weird kind of crazed, uh, psychedelic hillbilly freakout. Okay. I understand why that puts people off. I do. Part of it, of course, is Heidi's own psychodrama. But what it all represents is that she's finally chosen the goat over the sheep. She has found freedom within the confines of her fate over the slavery of everything else, her job, the Narcotics Anonymous, the whole daily grind. And she's purified especially during the birth scene, she is purified by her own blood and not the blood of an external sacrifice. She gives birth to that little tiny tentacled monster, which is maybe the devil, maybe the devil's son, or perhaps it's a representation of something else. Maybe that is the embodiment of her own sins. And that's something that can be embraced by that coven. That is the complete fucking personification 
of all of her darkness. It's her addiction. It's her fears. It's everything that could be considered um, imperfect about a human being. No wonder they fucking love it. And no wonder it's got little squiddy fucking sentinel tentacles that come out and kind of slap Meg Foster in the face. Why, why not? That's perfect. But that final shot, holy fuck, that final shot with Heidi's eyes and they're all covered over completely white and she's wearing that Mother Mary crown. It's the ultimate blasphemy. She is the mockery of the Queen of Heaven and she has her enemies dead at her feet and they're the ancestors of the people that her ancestors once loved and it's fucking perfect. It is the perfect, complete, Final ending to this film, and I adore it. See, I wish you had written it, because I liked that. (laughs) You make it sound way more beautiful and way more... It's all there! It's all there! By God, you just have to look at it. It is all fucking there. Well, sure. He didn't pull that off. Oh, he did in my head. He did in my head. I mean, again, you're looking for logic. If you're looking for linear time storytelling, it ain't here. You're looking for logic, it's not here. But if you just put your brain in neutral and let your brain kind of absorb the imagery that's coming across to you, suddenly it makes sense. Holy shit, it's gorgeous. I admit once I realized, and I, and I have a fault, I do this. Once I realize I don't like a film, I immediately switch into the analytical side where I am looking for logic because that for me would fill in the gaps. <clears throat> so really, I think if it were a more solid storyline, I would not have switched into that mode. And for me, it just, it didn't do it. It he it was not a strong enough story for him to pull that off. And it really makes me sad because I I mean I'm not a zombie hater as far as his movie his movies go. Um although I really didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses very much. Um I liked Halloween and I liked Devil's Rejects a lot, but um he just he didn't quite do it for me in this film. See, and for me, I think this is the best thing he's ever done. (laughs) I think this is his crowning achievement. I think this is the complete, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is the apotheosis of everything that he's done before. Everything that he has done before has been leading up to the Lords of Salem, and he did it, and he fucking pulled it off. And it devastates me every time I watch it. It's amazing. So here's an unanswered question I have. Why the fuck was the coven named Lords? I mean, wouldn't ladies or queens or priestesses have been more apropos? (laughs) Fuck, really? This is your question. Question. Do you have an answer for that one? Um, My answer for that one is because the title comes from the final track of Rob Zombie's album, Educated Horses which is called The Lords of Salem, which is obviously where he started um, incubating the idea for this film. Wow! (laughs) That's my answer to that. Wow! What are you, five? Wow! That's amazing. Okay, fuck. You know what? You're right. I don't have an answer for that. (laughs) You, You got me. I don't know. 
<laughs> also, I want to know how the fuck did the author character find Heidi's complete family tree online so fucking easily? I mean, seriously, I want that website because it would save me years of fucking research. Okay, yeah, I'm with you on that because he even spelled Harthorn wrong. He didn't put the E on the end, and it still fucking popped up. Oh, look at that. Here's blah da 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 blah da 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 Oh, my God. She's the descendant of John Hawthorne. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, that was an amazing genealogy website. That was like, please scan your DNA into this. <laughs> it's like an early 90s film all of a sudden. I know, right? It's like hackers. <laughs> and to me, that's the... And you know what, to me, that's the least believable part of the film, is that findyourfamilytree.com. Because every time I go on fucking genealogy.com, they're like, hey, we had like 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Want to find out who your great-great-great-grandfather is? Put in your uh, social security number, bitch. <laughs> oh. Well, that's it. That's all I got, man. All right, well, there it is. Fuck, it's the Lords of Salem, dissected and bisected. And now it's up to you, dear listeners and acolytes. Head over to the poll on Facebook and do your civic duty. Cast your vote and help decide who wins this historic pitch trial. We'll be back to wrap things up the way we normally do after we take our final break. Our three questions are coming up. (laughs) The fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? Hi, I'm Mark. And you know what? I'm Mike. And we're the host of the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. We are the only podcast that looks at the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski exclusively on a year-by-year basis. Every episode, we present the news surrounding the world of these two legendary filmmakers. And we also try to speak with the many people involved with the films we discuss. Speaking of films, we generally talk about three to four films per episode by reviewing and rating them. If you want to find out what those films are, visit our website at hollywoodupsidedown.wordpress. You can download our show via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, by searching for Hollywood Upside Down. So if you're a fan of B-movies and you know you are, you wouldn't be listening to us. Chances are you've seen some of the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski. So why don't you join us from episode to episode and relive some of those favorite movie moments. The moments you'll hear on the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. Honestly, the real reason we watch these films is we love watching boobs. We sure do. Lots of large, small, flappy, flap jacky. No, Mike. No, no, no. Very well endowed, boisterous, giant, jiggly boobs. Those two. Yes. Hugh loves horror movies. I like them cheesy. I like them gritty. I like them campy. I love them all. He married Christy. She hates them. I think they're senseless and upsetting. Listen in as Hugh searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray. There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them. In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. <laughs> Come to the dark side. In Christy Christie's Welcome back to Kiss the Goat, and it's time for three questions. Question one, is this really a witch movie? Look, yes, it's a witch movie. 
It's not a wicked movie, but it's definitely a fucking witch movie. <laughs> it's an evil, dirty, grimy, smelly, campfirey kind of baby eaten movie. Is it's vulgar and it's nasty and it hits on some primal levels that pissed me off before I could even understand what the fuck was going on. Yeah, it really hits on that kind of. I mean, I don't know. Modern Hollywood has a tendency to picture witches as very glamorous and gorgeous, and this movie flies in the face of that, which I completely appreciate, even though I've known some witches and currently know some witches who are just drop-dead fucking gorgeous. So, not completely correct, but within the context of the story, absolutely perfect. Agreed. So, question two. On the scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give this movie? No, I'm going to run five. <laughs> I'm running five. I can't give it a full six because... Um, I, and really, I guess, because of the controversies surrounding it, because there's so much of it that a lot of people don't understand, mm. and I feel like I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a Lords of Salem apologist, much the same as I'm a Mulholland Drive apologist for David Lynch. Um, and that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. So I'll give it five instead of six, just because I know it's going to cause me personal hassle. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm going to give this a two and a half. And really... <sighs> This movie pisses me off. I don't like it. I made that abundantly clear. But it's obviously very polarizing, and it makes people think. And I have to say, in spite of her faults and in spite of her weaknesses, I really fucking love Heidi. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, Sherry Moon Zombie's ass. Jesus, gods. I swear, I just want to make a fucking, like, fucking FEMO mold of it just so I can kind of touch it and squeeze it and have my thumbprints stay. I want to lay my face on it. That's really all. I just want to lay my face on it. <laughs> like, cuddle up against that downy mm. the top of the crack and just, well, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Diverging now. But, yes, um, two and a half, and, and that's as far as I'm going. Okay. That's fair. Uh, finally, question three. Why should our listeners watch this movie or... Should they? Uh, I think I already made my point with Sherry Moon Zombie's ass. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah no, I'm totally. I mean, really, in in spite of my hatred of it, um, X made some really good points for it, and um, yeah, watch it. Decide for yourself because what the fuck do you have to lose other than you know a couple of hours and potentially getting pissed off or potentially fucking loving it. Right, and Cootie's made some really good points against it, and I have to acknowledge that. But I think the thing that we can both agree on about the Lords of Salem is Sherry Moon Zombie has an amazing ass. And I just want to eat bananas off of it. I just want to put my face in between those cheeks and motorboat. I just want to... All right, simmer down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So... <laughs> so okay now you know i've watched this movie sober and i've watched this movie drunk i really liked it better drunk and hell you may also so if you want to have some extra fun while watching the lords of salem let us help you grab a bottle of something or other and play along 
It's Drinking with the Devil, Lords of Salem edition. Here we go. <laughs> Drink when you hear the word cunting. Uh, it may or may not be an action verb. We haven't decided. <laughs> we don't know. Just drink when you hear it. <laughs> Drink whenever you see one of the deceased witches of Salem. Oh, God. <laughs> Drink whenever you hear the music of the lords. Drink whenever Heidi's eyes roll back in her head. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Drake, whenever you see any of Sherry Moon Zombie's naughty bits, like her ass. <laughs> and our Grandmaster Challenge. Drink anytime you see something you just don't understand. There you go. That'll get you there. And remember, kids, we don't condone underage drinking or alcohol abuse, but... They've always worked for us. Now it's time to shove our eager fingers into our box. Mailbox, that is. It's time for Ask the Goat, where we ask, or sorry, where we answer. <laughs> we'll ask and answer your questions in ways you probably don't want, because we're just that way. <laughs> James Cox from the Who Filled This Shit podcast asks, how many Bibles would someone have to burn before Satan appeared to give you the thumbs-up sign? <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere around 69? I was thinking 667. Oh. I figure 666, he's like, okay, but let's make that final commitment. If you burn that last 667th Bible, the devil's like, okay, you're in the club, Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cindy Sin Fallon asks, uh, who is, she's actually really bucking for number one fan status. She, is. she asks, who is more evil, me or my godly sister? Oh, your godly sister is way more evil. Yep, I agree. Not even a, not even a fucking contest. Uh. <laughs> just, just on principle. Just on, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you haven't figured it out by now, Cootie and I bought vodka today. Yay. Yay, vodka. All right, finally, Joseph Nance asks, Do you think the devil thinks of himself as evil? Is that something that he actively embraces? Or is he more like evil people on Earth who think that their methods are just and that they're merely misunderstood and getting a bad rap due to slander and character assassination? God damn, Josie, that's a good question. It's a good question. You know, I think that the devil has probably evolved a little bit over the millennia. I think that in the beginning, he probably had that righteousness and that anger against God and that, yes, I am right and I am just and this is this is the right way. And now he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I am actively embracing my evil because I have been doing this for millions of years, and I am still cast out of heaven, and God can suck my cock. I think he's evil. <laughs> His middle name is Misery. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, totally fucking that, because... <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, I had a point. I totally lost it. 
No, of course he knows he's evil. He knows that he is the archetype. He knows that he is here to be the opposite of everything that people consider good. And I think he revels in that. You know, it's just like me when I piss in the bathtub instead of the toilet. I know I'm breaking a societal taboo. I give no fucks. That's what I do. That's who I am. And I think that Satan is the same way. It's kind of in a larger, you know, more global scale. Right. And also, I personally am committed to the destruction of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for your questions. If we didn't get to your question on this episode, we probably will on a future episode. So keep listening. You're a daisy if you do. Hey, have you been to the website yet? A little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. And it's also the home of Where the Goat, the official online store for the podcast. Our Baphomet is my co-pilot bumper stickers are a big hit in Switzerland. So throw us some cash and check us out at kissthegoat.weebly.com. And we need more iTunes reviews, folks. I know we keep asking for them, but they're far more important than we want them to be. Uh. A five-star review from you puts us into more people's ears. And believe me, we really want to be in people's ears. How Cronenbergian is that? That's a lot Cronenbergian. As always, a gigantic thanks to the Horophilia Network for giving us a home. By all means, check out the other podcasts available on the network. There's a lot of good stuff on here. I mean, if you like us, you're bound to like the other podcasts on this feed. No doubt. And thank you, our loyal listeners and acolytes, for all the feedback and support you've given us. We'll quit doing it when you quit laughing. And don't forget to vote. Join our Facebook group and make your tiny voice heard. Until next time, I'm Cootie. My name is Zach. Hell Satan. Let's get the podcast started. Let's get the podcast started. Let's get the podcast. If we go to podcast, podcast hard.